This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tommy Conley. We've got a great story to talk about today. As Chad Livengood is the fine politics editor at the Detroit News. And he joins us to talk about a story. And I'll just read the headline. It's just awesome. Have and have nots. A rocket mortgage executive is trying to save Flint Beecher School. Let's talk a little bit about that with Chad. Chad, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me, Tony. I'm doing good. This is an interesting story. It's an important story. Tell us how you heard about it and what got you interested in writing it. Yeah, well, I've been a business and politics writer now for many years, and so I kind of toggle between the two, going back to my time when I was at Crane's Detroit Business. And when I was Cranes, I got to kind of know the Rocket Mortgage Company pretty well and just some of the philanthropy work that they do. And last week, I kind of picked up that this longtime executive at Rocket, Matthew Rizek, who is, he's basically one of Dan Gilbert's lieutenants in his business empire. And he is now the CEO of Rock, which is one of the holding companies, basically the family office for the Gilbert family, for their family of businesses. And he's also chief tax officer for the company and also on the board of Rocket Companies, the publicly traded company that includes Rocket Mortgage, formerly Quicken Loans. Many people know it. And I picked up that Rizek was involved in trying to revitalize a long-closed school, Flint Beecher High School, which closed in 2004 because of declining enrollment, and which is kind of attributed to both competition from charter schools and also just depopulation that has hit Flint especially hard. I mean, think about Flint. 1970, there was close to 200,000 people in Flint. And now there are, by the last census, less than 70,000 people. And even the suburban areas around Flint have also hollowed out in many ways. And so this Beecher High School is the north side of Flint. It's Mount Morris Township. And so it's suffered a lot of loss. And so I thought this kind of interesting. So I went on a tour at the combined middle school high school. So since they closed the high school, 7th through 12th grade is under one roof, which a lot of parents really hate. Parents of 7th graders do not like the idea of their 7th grader being in the same building, crossing paths with 12th graders. And so what has caused like a continuous downward spiral for the school system is the birth rate continues to decline. The depopulation of Flint has declined and they just lose students at seventh grade who want to go to another neighboring school because in these kind of urban school environments, there is another school not too far away. And so they go to a charter, they go to another competing high school or neighboring high school in you know the Flint area. And so this school system has continued to kind of suffer from this kind of cycle. And so as a result, they have one building. On top of that, because of the disinvestment and the abandonment, they've lost a lot of population and a lot of businesses. And there's not as much of a tax base anymore for the school system to go out and borrow money. And I used one example of just how starkly different they are in one county. Grand Blank Schools is opening a $44 million school athletic complex this fall, including a new football field, taking the old football field, making it into a separate soccer and track field complex, new baseball diamonds, new indoor pool, all paid for by school bonds so that they can use their tax base to bond again. I live in Howell, and our school district is about to ask the taxpayers for permission to go borrow $250 million for school buildings. And so here's a school system that can't borrow a dollar, basically, 
because they have no tax base to, to tax against. And so they got this wealthy businessman who's actually out there trying to raise the money in order to reopen the high school. I ended up going on a tour with him and seeing this school is sort of stuck in time. I mean, literally, there's chalkboard class assignments dated May of 2004 on the chalkboard from when they left, and they left a lot of stuff kind of as is to just go pile into the middle school, and that's where they've been ever since. Chad, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about Flint Beecher High School, its history there, especially in athletics. We'll do that next. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Sonair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sonair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sonair.com. This is Media Business. We're talking with politics editor Chad Livingood from the Detroit News. And he's talking about a great story that he's made us aware of about the danger of Flint Beecher School closing. Chad, this really kind of caught my attention. I'm from Mount Clemens. And I've watched many schools in the Detroit School District close. I've seen Mount Clemens lose its city, if you will, its municipality, its police force. They're now, as you know, part of Clinton Township. And I have some college friends who went to Saginaw Buena Vista. Buena Vista's closed down. So as we see these cities that lose population, lose tax base, this really caught my eye. How close is Flint Beecher to closing? They're not dead, but uh, they're down to 630 kids. and They were well north of 3,000 kids 30 years ago. And so there is a combination of factors, the depopulation of the Flint area and disinvestment by businesses, you know, we all know the story about how General Motors at one point employed 75,000 people 50 years ago in Flint. And now there are fewer than 7,000 jobs, essentially at the Flint truck plant, the stamping plant, the engine plant, that whole complex off of 75 and 69. And so as a result, there are just not as many people to live there. But there is still an infrastructure to take care of. And there's still people that do live there. And so what we have a system in Michigan, an education system of for funding of schools that is dependent upon tax base in order to fund the buildings. And so you have to have a growing tax base in order to have the money to facilitate the money for your operation of your school buildings. This is separate from the paying teacher salaries. That's all paid out of tax dollars contributions from the school aid fund, the sales tax basically, and your school property tax. This is separate. And so when you don't have a tax base, you're basically stuck with the buildings you got. And that's what's kind of the story of Flint Beecher is they've been kind of stuck in time for about at least 20 years. They have continued to decline. About 178, 880 of those kids are high school age. But yet this is still like kind of the amazing part of the story. 
This is still one of the perennial powerhouses of basketball in Michigan and Michigan sure. High School Sports. They have won seven of the last 11 state championships in boys basketball. They've won multiple girls basketball state championships. And there are nearly a dozen track and field state championships over the last 50 years. And so they've got a good reputation where they do get standout athletes. And they are a team that goes downstate and plays big, you know, because they're Division Three, They go play Division One or Division Two schools in suburban Detroit. But when it comes to their facilities, it is night and day from when they go to play Orchard Lake St. Mary's or somebody. And their facility, until a couple of years ago, was leaking water in the roof and didn't have running showers. And this Matthew Reisick at Rocket Mortgage just got to come in and put his own money into trying to restore the athletic facilities. And now he's trying to work on raising $17.5 million for the school district to reopen the high school. Talk a little bit about Matt Reisick because he's putting his own money where his mouth is, as well as trying to raise other funds. Tell us about Matt. Yeah, so Matt is kind of a classic Flint success story of a guy who came from a family of humble means. His father was a self-taught bookkeeper. His grandparents were immigrants from, from Lebanon. They came to Flint in 1917, like a lot of people came to Flint trying to find work and work in the auto factories. And then his dad and mom, they worked as uh, bookkeepers and nurse and put kids through college. And I actually got to know Matt's brother, Chris Reisick, who is a venture capitalist out of Ann Arbor. Chris, many people might remember, know him as uh, a longtime business partner to a guy named Rick Snyder, became the governor of the state. And uh, Matthew was at Price Waterhouse Coopers for 30 years. I think he crossed over with Rick Snyder at some point when Rick Snyder was at Price Waterhouse Coopers in the early 80s. And so Matthew kind of came into this, came up through the ranks in the PwC and then went to work for Rocket when it was Quicken Loans in 2012 and has been kind of a trusted top advisor to Dan Gilbert in the rocket mortgage regime ever since. When we come back, Chad, I want to talk a little bit about the state of Michigan and Governor Whitmer and how they may be trying to help. We'll do that next. This is Media Business and Tony Conley on the Michigan Business Network. Looking for office furniture on a budget? Stop by the office outlet at 516 North Larch in downtown Lansing and save. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. The office outlet has a huge selection of new and used office furniture from brand name manufacturers, all at discounted prices. Save 50 to 90% on used seating, desks, files, and more. The office outlet is your destination for office furniture on a budget. Visit us online at officeoutletyes.com. Welcome back to Media Business. We're talking with Chad Levengood, who is the politics editor at the Detroit News. And we're talking about this phenomenal story about one guy who has started trying to do whatever he can to save Flint Beecher School. Chad, tell us a little bit about the state of Michigan and Governor Whitmer. How are they responding to this challenge? So the state has committed $2 million towards this $17.5 million effort to try to reopen the high school there. 
And it was part of the appropriations bill, the record spending multi-billion dollar appropriations bill from this like $7 billion of surplus funds. The state did a few targeted appropriations, about $125 million or so to schools. And this was one that got into that for school buildings, which the state of Michigan has never put money directly into school buildings. They always put money into programs, teacher salaries, special education, sometimes busing. They will help, you know, the state will give grants for buying buses, but the state never puts money into buildings. And so this is a kind of a big deal and maybe a change in direction for the state because there is a recognition that, look, like I said earlier in the segment, if Grand Blank can go out and borrow $44 million just for athletic fields yeah. and other school districts just on the road, like Bleacher, just 15 miles north of Grand Blank, can't borrow money to just fix roofs on school buildings or boilers or whatnot. You have just inherently inequitable system of education where some kids do have and some kids do not have. And Beecher facilities are still, you know, pretty subpar. I mean, I went into this locker room and they've all been revitalized and it looks like it could be a Division One football locker room. Then you go in the weight room and the weight room is, it was an auto shop originally. Then it was a JROTC building. And now it's just kind of a dimly lit, boarded up, metal grate window squat looking building on a complex that's half deserted. And so it is vastly different and with filled with like donated weight benches, by the way. Yeah. I mean, they don't have the money to buy new things. Chad, in the story, you mentioned how Bedrock, the real estate arm of Dan Gilbert's companies, has been planning the rehabilitation of Beach or High School, bringing in a construction company, Barton Marlowe, as consultants. You know, as I saw some of the pictures in the story, you know, gym space is always hard to find. I'm surprised they couldn't at least keep the gym open and maybe use the other parts of the schools of the old high school for some reason, but it looks like they're on that path. The plan is to actually use the original gym in the old high school to be the cafeteria for the school because cafeteria used to be downstairs. And this, this is an old high school. It's so old that it used to have more open campus, Coldwater Road. It used to be filled with restaurants and fast food joints. Kids would just walk across the street and go to Burger King or whatnot. And all those businesses are closed now. So the plan is to try to basically whitewall all three floors of the school, get one ready, if not two to handle students and then they utilize the original gym, which when we walk through it is, you know, pretty messy. I mean, I found a raccoon carcass on the, on the floor of this gym. Mr. Rizik seems to be an amazing guy, not only pumping his own money in there, but he's mentoring kids. In some cases, he's buying groceries for folks in the community. What an amazing guy. Yeah, he's been kind of utilizing all of his connections and resources uh, trying to expose these kids to a different life as well and i mean he works for a guy who owns the cleveland cavaliers and puts on a pga golf tournament in detroit so he takes them to the rocket mortgage classic he's taking kids to cleveland to watch Cavs games he's taking them to the gilbert family's annual gala for researching the rare genetic disorder that their son nick died from earlier this year and bought them suits in order to go to that and whatnot and so it does seem very sincere about what he's doing and trying to move the needle. How this all started was Courtney Hawkins, a Beecher grad who played NFL football and played at MSU as well. Hawkins kind of got connected with him and convinced him to come check out their facility and see it because Hawkins had entered their locker room 
for a locker room makeover contest online and they lost. So he just kind of invited Ryzik to come check it out. And Ryzik got so just appalled by how dirty and deplorable the conditions were. And you just sinks and toilets and showers that didn't work. And so that's where he kind of got into this. And he's just kind of keeps plowing ahead now. Final question for you, Chad. How have we in the media not only covered this story, but just covered the challenges that many school districts and communities are having that are similar to this? How are we doing and can we be better and how can we be better? I got my start as an education reporter at the Jackson Citizen Patriot in 2006. At that time, I covered basically a dozen schools myself. And there was another reporter covered in our dozen school districts in that kind of Jackson area, basically. There is now like one reporter who covers the cities and the schools and the county and might have to throw some papers too every once in a while. And I'm joking about that part, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of that bad. I mean, there's just fewer people covering education every day, reporters in schools and seeing what's going on. And so sometimes they only go in for like the dog and pony show, basically. And we only see the nice you know, shiny chrome, but we never actually get to see the rusty patina, so to speak, of a school and whatnot. And so there's not enough people that are actually doing it and not enough reporters out there. And so that's one of the reasons. And then the decline of local newspapers and whatnot also has contributed to that. People just don't have as close a connection to their schools. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not an indictment for anybody in particular, but it is the reality of things. And so I'm an education reporter still at heart in many ways. And so I jump at any opportunity I can to go on a tour of the school. And that's kind of what happened last week when I went on a tour with the governor. And then the next day I was going walking through the old shuttered high school. Chad Livengood is the politics editor at the Detroit News. You can follow him at Chad Livengood on Twitter or what we call now X. Chad, I appreciate you so much, sir. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks a lot. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network.